The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. All right, today we are beginning a brand new sermon series together called Number Your Days. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking together about the subject of time. And what makes this such an interesting subject is that when it comes to time, one of the things that every single one of us that we all have in common is that we are almost always, always, always conscious of whatever time that it is. Because of our watches, because of our cell phones, because of the fact that, that if you're still in school, then there's a, you know, a clock in every single classroom. And, and, and so one of the common, most common questions that you ask, in fact, maybe the, the most common question that you ever ask is, what time is it? And every once in a while you may find yourself losing, you kind of lose yourself in a book or you lose yourself in a hobby or you lose yourself in an activity that you enjoy and you actually say something or you think something like, well, well, I just lost track of time. And so we are very, very time conscious. The problem, however, is that that really is not the most important question that we should ask when it comes to time. And so for the next several weeks, I want us to begin asking a better question. And when I tell you what the question is, you'll agree it is a better question. The, the better question that I want all of us to begin asking is not what time is it, but what am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my time? And see, my inclination and probably your inclination in terms of our time and our schedules is to try to cram everything in and leave absolutely nothing out. And that inclination is why many times with all that is that we're doing, we don't oftentimes enjoy much of what it is that we actually do. And you may know that you're in trouble when it comes to your schedule if you find yourself always saying things like this, you know, I may be 15 minutes, minutes late or, or I'm going to have to leave a few minutes early. I'll be at your recital tonight, I promise, but I might miss the first seven or eight kids. So, so what time exactly are you going to perform? You're at home and you're thinking, I really should be working right now. You're at work and you're thinking, I really should be at, at home, but you just kind of cram it all in. And you feel like your family is going in a hundred different directions all at the same time, but you most instinctively say yes to whatever it is that anybody wants to do because you don't want anybody to miss out. And then you think to yourself, why in the world did we actually commit to all this, but you don't want to back out of anything? And so your schedule and your life, it's just all kind of jammed in there. Now in this series, we're going to actually talk about how it is that you solve that how it is that you address all that. And if that isn't happening to you, then I'm going to have you preach next weekend, and you can tell us your secrets. If it isn't happening to you, we're going to talk about how it is that you want to prevent that and keep that from happening. And see, the truth is there really are a bunch of different ways, there are a bunch of different approaches that we could take when it comes to a subject such as this, we could you know, put on like a, a time management seminar, and that would be kind of interesting, and I'm sure we'd all learn some things. The, the problem with something like that, however, is that if, if your particular personality, if that's not geared to whatever system it is that you're learning, what happens is, is you do that for a little while, but then you just kind of stop doing it. And, and we could talk about a whole lot of different things in this regard. We could talk about calendars. We could talk about pacing. I mean, there's really a, a bunch of different subjects that we could look at in, in a series such as this. 
But what it is that I'm excited about is that we're going to talk about one very specific thing, and we're going to talk about one very specific application that, that literally, and I know this might sound too good to be true, it literally could change your life. And the reason why it could change your life is because it can change your time. And I don't know if you actually thought about this or not, but your time, it really is your life. And as your time goes, so goes your life. As your schedule goes, so goes your life. And we're going to get this big pearl of wisdom from none other than Moses. So take out your Bibles and open them up to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 90. Now, maybe when I said Psalms, you instinctively kind of thought of David, and that would be understandable. But this is actually a psalm that was written by Moses. And maybe you're sitting there today and you're thinking to yourself, okay, what in the world does Moses actually, what could he actually teach us uh, about time? Well, see, Moses actually had four very different, four distinct parts to his life. And in each one of those parts of Moses' life, see, it would have been very easy for him to assume, just like it's easy for us to assume, that whatever it is that you're experiencing right now, that that would end up being what's going to define your life. And see, for Moses, it was the first part of his life that if, if, if you and I, if we're honest, we would probably look at and say, you know what, I hope that that's what my life ends up being like. Because see, Moses, he was raised as the adopted son of Pharaoh. He was a Hebrew by birth, but he was raised as Egyptian royalty, and so he had access to, to whatever he wanted whenever he wanted it. And the thing that we never think about is the fact that if that had been all that there was to Moses' life, then you and I, I mean, we would never even know that he existed. We would have never even known that Moses had ever been born or died. We would never even know the name Moses. But see, one day when Moses was 40 years old, he lost his temper, and he killed an Egyptian, and because of that, he had to flee Egypt. And in one single moment of time, Moses' life, it changed radically. And from all appearances, it changed for the worse. And he became a shepherd. Now, you want to talk about some slow days. You get up in the morning, you take your sheep out of their pen, and you sit down. And then you watch as the sun goes from here to here. And then when the sun gets over here, you take your sheep, you round them back up, and you put them in the same pen, and tomorrow you get to do the very same thing all over again. Forty years as a shepherd. And see, we don't stop to think about this, but Moses, see, he did not know what the story of his life would actually end up being. He's thinking to himself, you know, this is it. Every day I watch my sheep, and then eventually I die. And maybe I'll have a few kids. Maybe if I'm lucky, my grandkids, they'll actually know my name. Moses had no idea that anyone would ever know who he was. That was the second part of Moses' life. 
Now, the third part of Moses' life is actually the part that you know about. And this is the part of his life that began when he was 80 years old. Men, I want you to stop and think about that for a moment. The part of Moses' life that we actually know about, the reason we know Moses, his life began when he was 80 years old. And see, that life began with Moses telling God, no. God, I can't. God, you made a mistake. God, everything around me and everything that I have experienced in my life up until this point is telling me that my life is over, that I ruined it, that I I lost it, that I messed it up. That I failed, God. But see, in reality, at the age of 80, Moses' life, it was actually just beginning. And at the age of 80, Moses ends up back in Egypt. And he says to Pharaoh, let my people go. And this is the part of the story, you know the rest of this. Pharaoh says no. And then there's a bunch of signs and wonders, and Pharaoh says, you know, on second thought, you probably should leave. And all of a sudden, at the age of 80, Moses is the leader of two or three million people. And he has to lead them and guide them and teach them as they live in the desert on their way to the promised land for another 40 years years. So Moses has an incredibly unique perspective on time, and it is that perspective which he records for us in Psalm chapter 90. And see, Moses actually wrote this psalm after he had experienced everything that he had experienced in his life. He wrote this while he was in the desert as he is waiting to enter into the promised land. And what it is that God has to say to us through this psalm See, this actually sets the context for us for every single decision that we make regarding and as it relates to our time. Now, one more thing before we jump into this text. If you're here with us this morning and you would, you would not say that you are a Christian or, or you would say that you don't really believe that the Bible is true, so one th- I'm thrilled that you're here, but one quick thing that I would say to you, listen, do not fall into the trap of not reading the Bible because you don't believe it's true. I mean, that's silly. Don't do that. After all, I mean, think about this. What in the world do you actually read because you believe it's true? I mean, nothing, right? In our world today, absolutely nothing. You don't read things because you think they are true. You read things to see whether or not they are true. And so what I would tell you is this. Just just read your Bible and, and see what it is that you think about what it is that it's saying to you. And what we're going to read today this is actually poetry. It's, it's ancient poetry, and so we have to keep that in mind as we're reading it. And this is what God says to us, Psalm 90, beginning in verse 1. He tells us this. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. In other words, what Moses is saying is, God, I can see that you are actually in my life even when I couldn't see you in my life. Verse 2, before the mountains were born or... 
you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And so what Moses is saying is this, listen, God, I understand that you are actually the only thing that exists forever, and you exist forever in both directions, from everlasting to everlasting. And somewhere between those two big bookends, Moses is saying, there's me. There's Moses. Somewhere between everlasting and everlasting, there's Moses. And there's you. Somewhere in between those big bookends of everlasting to everlasting, there is every single one of us. Verse 3, you turn men back to dust, saying, return to dust, O sons of men. Now, what Moses says there, that might sound a little bit harsh to, to you know, our modern ears and the way that maybe we think about things. But really what Moses is saying is, I think, something that all of us would say that we believe in, in one way or another. And that's the fact that God actually has something to do with the length of each one of our lives. That God actually has something to do with the number of days in our life. Now, here's the thing. If you don't trust God, then that idea, that probably scares you a little bit, doesn't it? But see, if you can learn to actually see your life the way that Moses came to see his life, then what you come to understand is that God, he really can be trusted. And when you finally see God face to face, it won't be because a doctor made a mistake. Or, or because you made a mistake. It'll be because your heavenly Father has chosen to actually bring you home. And when you understand that, Moses would say, that completely changes our perspective on how it is that we use the time that our Heavenly Father has given to every single one of us. So therefore, therefore, over in verse 12, therefore, Moses says, teach us. Because see, the truth is, this isn't something that we do naturally, is it? So Moses says, Lord, you need to actually teach us this. You need to teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Or literally, he's saying, teach us to live as though our days are numbered. And so with all that as the backdrop, with all that kind of in the context, here's the question that I want you to actually think about. This is the question I want you to think about today. This is the question I want you to think about over these next couple of weeks as we're talking about the subject of time. If you were God who loves you as much as God loves you. I mean, if you are God who loves you and who knows the days, your days are numbered, if you are God who loves you and who knows your days are numbered and who knows the number of your days, if you are God who loves you and who knows the value of time and he knows how much time you've spent and how much time you have left, if you were God who loves you, what would God say to you 
about how it is that you use your time. See, the truth is, we can probably guess, can't we? And yet the amazing thing is is that it's in the book of Ephesians, it's in Ephesians chapter 5, that we actually find exactly what we would expect to find from a God who loves us, what we would expect Him to say to us because He loves us, because He knows that our days are numbered. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. He says this. If you're using one of the Bibles in front of you, it's on page 1,823. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15, he says, Be careful then how you live. Because see, how you live, it's your time, right? It is your life. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And the Greek there, it literally means look ahead. It means scope it out. Because he's saying, listen, if you don't do this, you're going to end up being in a place that you don't actually want to be simply because of how you used or didn't use your time. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Again, the Greek here, it literally translates as redeeming the time. And what he does is he uses a word here that's found in both mathematics but also accounting. And the word, it literally means make sure that you trade in or make sure that you cash in your time for something that is of equal value. Because he's saying, listen, when you think about how how valuable of an asset your time is, and when you think about the fact that, that it's a limited asset, see, we don't think about that. We just think time is going to exist. We just live as if time's going to go on forever. But God's saying, listen, when you think about the fact that it is actually a limited asset, that it's a valuable asset. He says, be careful then. He says, don't be careless. Be careful. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every minute, of every day. Redeem your time, he says. Why? Because every single one of us know this. Neglect is cumulative, isn't it? In other words, the the more that you neglect any single area of your life, the more that that area is going to impact the rest of your life. And so he says, be careful. Be very, very careful. Redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity. See, he's actually challenging every single one of us to ask an incredibly important question. He's challenging us to ask the question, who or what are you investing your time into that's going to actually outlive you? Who or what are you investing your time into that's going to make a difference for eternity? And then listen why he's telling us this. Don't miss this. He says, because, verse 16, because the days are evil. In other words, he's saying, listen, the days that you live in and the days that I live in, they are evil. If you just kind of pick up your feet, he says, 
and you allow the current of culture to just take you wherever it happens to flow, you will not end up redeeming your time. You will end up wasting your time. You'll end up somewhere in your 30s or your 50s or your 60s or your 70s that you will wish that you weren't. And so he says, listen, be careful. Be very, very careful because the days in which you live, they're evil. The days that you live in and the days that I live in, they push me. They, they challenge me to neglect the things that I know are most important. And then he goes on and he says this. He makes this conclusion in verse 17. He says, therefore. So in other words, Paul's saying, listen, everything I've, about to, I've said to you before, all, with all that in context, with everything I just said, therefore, do not be foolish. And so this is Paul saying, listen, and, and if you don't know Paul, Paul can be a little blunt at times. Paul's saying this, come on, listen, when you know that you ought to do something, and you choose not to, Paul says. He says, listen, you're, you're being foolish. That, that is the biblical definition of a fool. A person who actually says to themselves, you know, I really, I know I should do that, but I'm not going to. That's foolish, he says. You know, it says right here that if you smoke these things, they're going to kill you. Yep. I saw that. You know, if you keep doing that, you're not going to have the money you need for retirement. I know. I heard the ads. They're all over the radio. But it doesn't apply to me. You know, if you keep neglecting your marriage, it's not going to go well. I mean, neglect is not a marriage strategy, right? I mean, you know, public disrespect, you know that's not a marriage strategy. Yeah, I know. Actually, somebody gave me a book about that once, but you know, I'm not going to read it. See, Paul says, listen. Listen. Come on. If we all have more than enough experience with neglect, if we all have more than enough experience with procrastination, if for every single one of us sitting here in this place this morning, me included, if we can all look back on days and seasons of our life where we wish we could go back and change things, Paul says to us, come on, come on, don't, don't ignore this, don't be foolish, he says. Rather, rather, understand what the Lord's will is. Now, I want you to look at that for a second. That is actually an incredibly an amazing statement. And I don't know if you grew up hearing that or not. I don't know if, you, if this is new information or if you've heard this before. I, I don't know if, if, if this is something that you were told when you were a kid. Or you know what? Maybe, maybe for you, this is something that you heard when you were a kid, and it's something that you believed when you were a kid. 
that the Lord actually has a will for you. But because of what's happening in your life right now, or because of what's happened in your life in the past, you thought you missed it, didn't you? See, that is exactly what Moses thought. But all through the Scriptures, God actually tells us the truth, that He really does have a will for you. And that will isn't based on your age. That will isn't based on your circumstance. That will isn't defined by what it is that you are experiencing in life right now. Because, see, the truth is that your few years in this world, they are important. But they're not important if they're just simply all about you. I mean, if all that's found to your life, if the bookends to your life are found in nothing more than your own birth and your own death, see, then the truth is that's really not all that important. Because no matter what you own, no matter who you know, eventually that will all be forgotten. It will be as if none of us were ever here. But yet, see, the truth is, is that all through the Scriptures, God actually says to us that He has a will for you. And see, for many of you, for many of us, in the details of our life, in the things like our marriages and our families, what it is that we do with our money, what it is that we do with our time, what it is that we do with our entertainment, we kind of know in our hearts what the, will, the Lord's will for us is. We kind of know already where it is that God would have us invest our time. And so God says to all of us, listen, do not be foolish. Do not continue to do, don't keep doing what you know is going to get you nowhere. Rather, he says, or literally, it says, face up to what you know in your heart God's will for you is. And I'll tell you this. I'll even tell you what God's will for you is. You know what it is? See, it's that thing that while I was talking, it came into your mind, didn't it? It just kind of popped into your mind. And you thought, yep, that's me. That's it. That's it. God actually spoke to you. God actually spoke to you today. Now, if you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, well, that wasn't God. No, that's just my conscience. Listen, your conscience, that is God's megaphone. God spoke to you today. And see, the implications of this verse from Ephesians, this is absolutely huge. Don't miss this, because what it's telling us is that anything that relates to your time, that is actually a spiritual issue. 
And because our God specializes in redemption, do not miss that. Our God, He actually specializes in redemption. Because He specializes in redemption, there is no amount of time that is lost. There is no relationship that is broken. There is no life that is beyond redeeming. Do not miss that truth of Scripture because our God specializes in redemption. Because at just the right time, when you were lost, see, our Heavenly Father sent Jesus into this world and into your life to redeem you personally. So here's the question. Here's the question you don't want me to ask, but it's the question that I've got to ask as we wrap up our time together today. It's the question that I hope that you think about as we move throughout this week and over these next two weeks. Where do you need to begin? Or Where do you actually need to begin again? Because see, here's how you apply this. Here's the big application for this. The way that you can redeem time that's been lost is by making small deposits of time over time. Small deposits of time over time is how time and relationships are redeemed. So where do you need to begin making consistent deposits of time? Where in life have you neglected? Maybe it's part of your spiritual life. Maybe it's part of your physical body. Maybe it's a, a relationship that you just kind of let go for a little while. Where do you need to begin making consistent deposits of time? And see, here's the good news. And if you're a Christian, you should know this. Now, if you're not a Christian, you're going to want to know this. Because the Bible actually says that the same Holy Spirit who gives every single one of us the faith to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, it teaches us that that same Holy Spirit, He actually lives inside of every single one of us. And part of what it is that He does inside of us is He actually creates. He actually builds. He actually makes the life of Jesus inside of us. He actually gives us, He creates the will that God has for you. And so I would tell you, listen, if this is something that you've never prayed about before, because you just didn't think that God would actually get involved in the nitty-gritty details of a specific relationship or a specific situation, Or if you've never prayed about this because you didn't really ever think that time and how you use your time was a spiritual matter, the the first thing, the absolute first thing that you should do is just to simply say to God, God, what would you have me do with the time 
that you have actually given to me. And remember, time over time is how time is redeemed. And see, just as Jesus has come into this world to redeem you, he also wants to redeem your life. And that begins with him redeeming your time. So what is it? What is it in your life that you need Jesus to redeem today? See, now is the time to ask him for that. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know that for every single one of us, Father, for me included, you know, a message like this, it can make us hopeful and it can make us anxious, Father. It can be motivating and convicting and scary all at the same time. And so, Father, my prayer, first and foremost, is that the Holy Spirit, that he would allow each and every one of us individually to hear what it is that you want us to hear. Father, that he would be the one that gives us the wisdom to know, as well as the courage to do whatever it is that you would have us do, and to do what you alone enable us to do, as your Spirit lives inside of each of us, and as he creates in us the life that you want for us, the will that you have for us, Father. And so for all of us, Father, for all of us, me included, there are, there are times of life, there are seasons in life, there are situations in life that we look back on and that we regret. Father, there are times we look back on and we can clearly see that we sinned. And so, Father, it's for those moments that we right now, we come to you and we confess our need of forgiveness. And, Father, we ask for you to work. Do what only you can do. And not only redeem us, but redeem our time. Father, hear us as we personally and silently confess our sin to you. Heavenly Father, the good news of the gospel is that even though we are sinners, even though we do sin, even though we have not used all that you've given to us wisely, even though all those things are true of each of us, that you did actually send your son Jesus into this world. You did actually send Jesus into our lives to redeem us, to forgive us, and to give to us the hope that comes in knowing that we have a Savior who specializes in redemption. And that for each and every one of us, our sins, your sins, they are truly forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen.